one of the things that we're battling in pre-sales is the perception of what our team is doing versus the reality of the true value that our team is providing. So, you know, I do think that more organizations should have executive level pre-sales leaders, or at least more direct connections within the pre-sales team to your executive staff. Welcome to Pre-Sales Heroes by Vivin. Today's episode is about the path from IC to leadership and the impact pre-sales can have at the executive level. This is Perry Bronson. Today I'm here with Brett Crane, who is our VP of Pre-Sales at Vivin. Brett will be telling us the secrets of how he carved out a path from individual contributor to manager all the way up to the executive table. With that, Brett, I'd love to hear how things are going for you. You're out in Boston, is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's cold and things are okay on my end, kind of surviving the the COVID craziness, but yeah, everything's great. That's so good to hear. I definitely want to get into the details of your background. I think you have such a powerful position that will be really helpful to share with our audience. And to kick off your story, how long have you been in pre-sales? Yeah, so pretty much my whole career. I've been in pre-sales going on, I think, 13 or 14 years. Basically, half of that has been as an individual contributor, and the second half has really been in leadership positions within pre-sales organizations. And how did you end up in this career? You've been at some really interesting companies, I noticed. How did it all start for you? Like a lot of people, I graduated college, not really sure what I was going to do, and took a couple of months to find the first job. But I, I really didn't know that I'd be going into technology with my economics background, but uh, landed there. And my first job was at a small startup. I think it was about 50 people or so at a company called Open Air. My title was customer success. In reality, I probably was more helping with technical support. One of the things that was really nice about going into the startup world, which is sort of where I've always landed, is um, I had the opportunity to really learn the software inside and out, talk to anyone within the organization really easily and understand how, how things worked and how our business ran. And the cool thing was that I got to sit right next to the sales team. And so I got to hear their calls, hear how they talk about the product and their demonstrations. Uh, see what they might be doing wrong in some cases. Um, in a lot of ways, I was able to help them provide better demonstrations to their prospects and to the customers. And so over time, I actually worked my way into being on their calls and delivering their demonstrations. And you know, I was still acting in the same role, but one of the things that was great about my boss at the time in the startup was he was really supportive to defining a new role that he knew about called sales engineering. As a 20-something-year-old, I did not know about that role. And so you know, I had the opportunity to kind of define that role myself. And then the interesting thing is that probably six months into that or so, uh, we got acquired by NetSuite, which is a much larger company, had a really well-oiled machine in the SE team and got to learn uh, you know, a ton from an established set of uh, pre-sales leaders that I then reported to uh, about what that role actually was, not just what I was doing in that role at, at the small startup I was at. I feel like that's a whole other topic, what it's like to be in a pre-sales position through an organizational transition. I mean, it must have been really different being a part of NetSuite as opposed to being a part of that small startup. Yeah, definitely. You know, the good thing was, is that I was very malleable and flexible, you know, at that age, I didn't really know what was what, honestly, uh, at that point in my career. So um, I was definitely up to try new things and be molded in the right way. And the great thing was that, you know, excellent leaders within that organization to, to help provide me some context, how to be a better pre-sales individual. Yeah, there's so many pros and cons, I think, to being at a bigger, more structured organization. But Ultimately, glad we got you back on the startup side here at Vivin. And in terms of how you got started in the post-sales world, so many people, it seems, have, have come from that side. And I think commitment to customer success 
is so important pre-sales, even though it's not necessarily your number one KPI, often that's geared around revenue, but having that experience, knowing what it's like to implement somebody, knowing what it's like to grow an account and build rapport with the customer, I think those skills transfer. For myself, at my first pre-sales role years ago, was more of a hybrid. And that was challenging because we were sort of playing both sides of the field, so to speak. But I think having a a root in post-sales, but applying what you need to pre-sales is sort of the best best of both worlds. You have that accountability to the long-term goals of the customer. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's and that's why I think a lot of successful pre-sales people come from different backgrounds like customer success, you know, the implementation team, um, technical support folks as well. Obviously the people that know the product, there's always room. And you know, if you have sort of the right personality, it makes sense to move into pre-sales a lot of times with with those kinds of backgrounds so that you have really good ground in the product and how customers use it um, and can convey those kinds of you know, solutions and value to prospective customers and customers. Absolutely. So that sounds like a really solid foundation you laid. What was the inflection point? What was the moment that helped you jump from an individual contributor up to a leader in pre-sales? Yeah, I mean, I think the title change was probably somewhat of a point in time event, but the way that I look at it is that you kind of make your own luck in a lot of ways. And you know, there's no question that sometimes luck is just luck, but you know, I had spent a lot of time doing what I thought might be the best thing for the team. Looking back on it, preparation worked and acting in the management role without actually having the title. You know, some people might kind of refer to it as like leading from the front or other things like that. But you know, my my thoughts were if I found something that was getting in the way of us, you know, booking new deals or getting in the way of us doing our demonstration, if there were broken things in our process or our demo stack, whatever it might be, I always thought it would be great to invest the time up front, you know, make improvements kind of oil the machine, if you will. And then later on, the entire team can get these exponential benefits for work that's been spent up front. So, you know, I think a lot of the work I was doing felt like it was team-based improvement work and not just sort of individual contributions to deals or things like that. So for me, I think it was the the luck event was that it did take a restructuring to figure out, hey, we need need some new managers. We need some new, new people to manage the teams as those restructuring events took place. So I think it probably took that event as well as some faith from the leadership of me to really put me into the position. But I think in reality, that was a point in time event. But in reality, a lot of it was spent putting myself in the position to actually be eligible for that promotion at that point in time. Now, the funny thing about this is everything sort of comes full circle here now that I'm back at Vivin, working under Matt Darrow and with John Bruce is uh, those are the two guys that actually had the faith in me back when they were pre-sales leaders at at Zora to jump me to a management position. Um, And now I'm reporting directly to Matt and, you know, working side by side with John as our CTO as well. Oh, that's so cool. So you made the leap when you were at Zora it sounds like, into the the leadership and management roles. That's right. I would bet that you were probably also a very high-performing SE individual contributor. So now that you're in a much higher leadership position, what is it like going through that process of taking one of your top SEs and kind of extracting them out of those individual deals? Is that sort of a scary thing to do from a leadership perspective to lose your talent from boots on the ground and, and put them into, I don't want to say ivory tower, it shouldn't be that way. But how do you how do you get around that? How do you make sure you're scaling the success of those star individuals that want to climb the leadership ladder? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the unfortunate thing is that when you make that choice as a pre-sales leader to move your best individual contributor up to the management role, you somewhat create a vacuum in some ways. And there's a couple of paths you can take to, to, to get them there. One of them could be, you know, a team lead type of role where they're still working directly on, you know, deals as well and acting in that individual contributor role while trying to manage. I think that can be a very difficult limbo type of role for a lot of people. In reality, I think a lot of people that 
I have promoted into the, the management role, they're the types of individuals that they're already taking on leadership already. The title change is really the only thing that that is shifting typically. And then there's sort of this, you know, reporting structure change and, and things like that that take place and shift. I, I think it is a, a daunting task for both the, the manager that's moving another manager up under them, as well as the person getting into that role for the first time, because it does, for some people does shift if you're an individual contributor from self-contained role to one where it's sort of a, a shift of mentality where you have to think about not only yourself, but the betterment of the team, because in reality, as a manager, if your team is successful, you know, not only deal bookings, but their accomplishments within the organization, their success is basically your success as a manager. So it takes this moment of release the first time you're doing it and understanding that you're actually doing things that'll be better for the org uh, as a whole. That's great advice for managers or ICs who are looking to become leaders as well. I guess my, my next question for you is really about how you made that next jump up. We had an interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago about how you got into the the middle layer fairly early in your career. You've spent half of your career in pre-sales in a leadership position. And you talked about how it was a challenge getting all of the insights, getting all of the value up to the layer above you. You've obviously crossed that barrier. You're now at the next level, your VP, which is amazing. Curious to hear, how did you forge that path? How did you make the jump up from the middle? And how do you get the intelligence from the IC level, from the field to that executive table? It's definitely hard. I mean, the great thing about Vivian is we're a very small company and I think we're sort of special in a lot of ways as it relates to pre-sales. But I think that one of the interesting things about pre-sales that I've always found is that there's just so much creativity that's going on within the team that you know, sometimes can go unnoticed. And I don't know that it's always a clear path to every executive staff, but I think that you know one of the things that I've always found is that it can be successful is uh, kind of follow the revenue. And, and my thought there is that um, you know a lot of the great things that the pre-sales teams under me have done um, is really around like how do we actually drive the top line revenue of the company forward with some of these accomplishments? And so you know, being able to tap into those and leverage those as spotlights to you know, show kind of those, those big success stories um, has allowed me to convey you know, my individual team members or collectively what my team is doing um, and showcasing that up to the executive staff. And that's, that I think has been a successful path for me to show you know, whether it's like new solutions that we're positioning new demos, new slide deck pitches, new other types of content. Um, you know, all those things, especially when they're tied to, you know, closing new big logos or renewing big customers and, and really driving the top line revenue of the company, that tends to be the easiest path to to the top. But there's obviously other ways there as well. You know, I, I found that you know, spotlights around those kinds of revenue driven activities are really sort of the low hanging fruit um, way in which that, you know, we can actually gain a lot of attention on what the pre-sales org is doing. You know, it's not just one of those organizations that as long as things are operating, you know, execs don't ask questions that sometimes happen. So um, we'd like them to ask questions. We'd like the executive staff to actually pay attention to what the pre-sales team is doing, because there is so much of that creative problem solving that's happening at the the various levels of the pre-sales org. So it sounds like you're really, you were open to execs challenging you and and really asking questions and putting you into a position where you could not only demonstrate value, but also you know, get their perspective to actually make sure that what you're doing is aligning with those top line goals. I mean, that, that's right. I mean, I think that like when, when I think about the, 
the way in which I'm interacting today with our executive staff at Vivian, it's a little different. For me, it's been sort of interesting that you don't necessarily always have direct access to have informal conversations with C-level executives, especially in pre-sales. So you, know, you kind of don't have those like candid or hard-hitting conversations that are happening. The conversations that you actually have are more presentations, right? It's how is my team doing and who's at risk of leaving the organization or what deals do we need to strategize against? It's not always things like, how do we win the next big logo or how do we keep the biggest customer? Those are the kinds of presentations that you tend to be the interaction points with pre-sales. So for me, it's having a seat at the executive table at Vivin allows me to participate in more strategic conversations. And you know, a little differently than I, I have in the past where a lot of it was more about those kinds of conversations in presentation mode, as opposed to strategic conversations I'm able to have here. Got it. Got it. So it sounds like it's been pretty positive for you so far. Less less formal, more agile, more dynamic to be a part of that elite suite and have those conversations outside of a quarterly review or something went wrong and I have to explain it. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the common touch points is We've made a new go-to-market decision as an executive staff. Okay, pre-sales, here's the plan, go react. That's not the interaction I'm having today, which is nice because I'm actually in the room and we're having these new go-to-market or you know, strategic conversations and the voice of pre-sales is, is heard. And so we're able to plan ahead and react in positive ways and not make comp really problematic or questionable for the pre-sales org and not put anyone at risk right, of, of you know maybe losing them from their ability to support that, those changes that are coming up the pipe. It's great to have the, the foresight or the visibility into those upcoming changes. As we scale, we move fast and there might be problems that have been arising as we scale and I can contribute that way as well and provide that feedback and our executive team is very open to it and agile and honestly, a brilliant strategist are going to be able to, to take that in and we work through it together. Sounds like a much more proactive approach and that's going to reflect across the whole business, I'm sure. I know SE leaders that have gone on to found companies, obviously Matt Darrow is one of those. And I do know a few that are actually executives in the sales org now. And of course, I've heard of roles like field CTO, but to be totally honest with you, Brett, you're the first VP of pre-sales I've ever met. And I guess my question for you is, do you think more companies should be adding pre-sales to the executive leadership? Or is this something that's already happening and it's just sort of flying under the radar a bit? Is it a more nuanced need by a verb? Is this like a B2B thing, a SaaS thing? What are your thoughts about the role of VP of pre-sales? Is this something every company should have? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting coming from Vivin. Obviously, we're a proponent of the pre-sales organizations and we're one that wants to fight for the advancement of pre-sales in general. And I do think that one of the things that we're battling in pre-sales is the perception of what our team is doing and, the, and versus you know, the reality of the true value that our team is providing. And, and I do think that more organizations should have executive level pre-sales leaders um, in general. I do think that at Vivin, we might be in a bit of a unique situation. One of our core values, if you look at our website, is be different. It happens to be 100% true for me, working as the head of pre-sales, a VP of pre-sales at a company that looks to empower pre-sales organizations across the world. You know, that may not be normal, but that's the reality of our company. And so given that our, our focus is on pre-sales, you know, my team is kind of special within our organization because we're actually not only acting in the pre-sales capacity, but we're also our own internal customers. So we, um, I kind of like to say we drink our own champagne and we leverage our own product. I'm not only the VP of pre-sales, but I'm also a client, kind of one of those situations. And so, you know, I, I think for us, like all the decision-making we're making as a company at the executive level is really well informed by what the pre-sales team is doing here. So 
day-to-day deals and feedback on our product, as well as how we're leveraging it internally to power our, our metrics and our business that we're running here at Vivin puts me in a unique position where it actually makes sense to be the executive uh, table at a company of our size, even though it might not be that large. You know, because our DNA is just so ingrained with pre-sales, so many of our strategic decisions are being made with the lens of pre-sales because I'm able to you know, sit at the table and help make these decisions with the executive staff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And in terms of other companies needing this level of commitment to pre-sales, I do think more and more should be developing roles like yours. And maybe it's not called VP of pre-sales, but I know from my time at Optimizely, one of the two co-founders Pete Kuman, he'd worn a lot of hats, you know, over the years, but he always had a really, really firm commitment to pre-sales. And even while he was interim CTO, he was also leading the pre-sales team. So I, I'm totally with you. I think it's super strategic. If you were posting a job rec for VP of pre-sales, I'm sure this is not how it happens, but <laughs> what what would a characteristic or trait, just one word to make someone successful in the role of VP of pre-sales? I think I'd probably say the one word would be empathetic. I think that, you know, the the pre-sales role is is really, really challenging. And I think that there's a couple of things that I would say are really, really important as it relates to being successful in pre-sales leadership, getting an understanding of what it is that your team members are actually doing. Ideally, you could even do something like live their role for a little bit of your life as well, because you need your team to be successful and you need to know what it takes to actually succeed in that role and how you might recruit for people that will be actually successful you know, in that role as they join your team. And so you really need to get a good understanding of what the skill set is that's required and what's their day-to-day pain that they go through within the role so that you can help resolve those pains and help fill in the skill set gap where, where needed for your team to, to have that success. I also think as it relates to empathy for me, um, you know, we need to know what our customers are going through and be empathetic to that. And so I think I need to be an expert in my product, not every single you know, dial in the product, if you will, or setting, but you know, really getting an understanding of what is the value that your product provides to your customers. Because ultimately, that's the conversation that you want to make sure that you're you're having an impact across your team, but also as you drop in as a leader, you know, as your team is working with prospective customers and, and existing customers, you need to know the value your product is providing. And there might be areas that haven't been uncovered or leveraged by your customers or prospects, and you can help, you know, provide additional solution sets for your customers and prospects. And so I think, you know, being able to be empathetic to your customer and Ideally, if you could even work directly with your prospects and your customers, even being the individual contributor on some of these you know, deals, if you will, that's a great luxury where when I actually get to act as the individual contributor in a few of these um, customer and prospect interactions that help me get that firsthand knowledge of what value we're providing to these customers. I couldn't agree more. Empathy is so critical. And I've heard the same thing from folks like Stephen Morse, who I was introduced to as the godfather of sales engineering, Salesforce veteran, but now at Algolia, definitely in that executive leadership role for pre-sales. And I think he's running post-sales too. I I think you're spot on there. Great. Brett, this was so useful, just digging into your mind and, and hearing what that path has been like for you to go from IC all the way up to VP. So impressive. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I hope that any other ICs out there or new leaders for that matter can get some ideas from you and what foundations they should be putting in place to establish this executive influence that you've come to own. And thank you so much, Brett. Thanks, Barry. Great talking to you today.